He travels the world and scans the web to keep you up to date on the latest threats to the internet and to your cybersecurity. He brings you the latest on the fight against cyber terrorism, keeping you safe with the best cybersecurity information on the radio. It's Cybersecurity Today with John Bambinick. Good morning. You've tuned in to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambinack, talking about all the cybersecurity news happening the past week, how to protect yourself, your family, and your business online. We are broadcasting from AM820 News, covering Tampa Bay and the West Coast, as well as AM1060 News, covering the Space Coast and Orlando. You can connect with us online at our website, cybersecuritytodayradio.com on Facebook and Twitter, at CyberSec Radio, and my personal personal Twitter account, at Bambanek, and be, by, by email, johnbambanekradio at gmail.com, J-O-H-N-B-A-M-B-E-N-E-K, radio at gmail.com. We do take questions from our listening audience, things that you want to hear about, how to protect yourself, your family, and what you're seeing out there. Uh, in a little bit, we will actually have a social media segment to get some of your new questions uh, about uh, the iPhone 10 and uh, some other uh, some other issues uh, that people have written in asking about. So let's go ahead and jump right to it. Uh, you know, the past couple of weeks I've been in Europe, just got back from Kansas City uh, and an ISC Squared chapter uh, talking about cybersecurity uh, and part of, uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the speaking I do is cybersecurity awareness, how to how to uh, teach people how to protect themselves, what are the threats out there, uh, and how people can get to know uh, how to protect themselves, and more importantly, uh, for people who want to get involved in cybersecurity, who want to get into a career, uh, or people who already work in the industry looking to, to learn more, network with peers. So there's lots of great organizations out there uh, that you can go, uh, experts will talk about things, what they're seeing some things that uh, you might learn uh, to help you be a better uh, either technology worker or in security or uh, many students uh, will go to these kind of events uh, learning things that uh, you just can't learn in the classroom. Uh, I know in Tampa and Orlando there is uh, ISC squared or ISC2.org chapters uh, geared around uh, that organization which uh, writes some good information security certifications. Uh, I actually teach uh, a class based on one of their certifications at the University of Illinois. So there's a, there's a chapter of ISC2 in Tampa and Orlando and, and ISSA. Uh, which is another information security group. Uh, both also have uh, chapters in Tampa and Orlando, uh, which they call the Central Florida chapter. So uh, you know, if you're looking to maybe dip your toe into cybersecurity, uh, want to you know, see more of what people do, uh, how to uh, uh, you know, do the work, those are some great events to get to. Uh, I know many of them have good speakers and the like. So do check those out and uh, get in touch you know, with what you hear and what you learn from those events. Uh, and, uh, you know, we may reach out to them and bring them on the show here. But certainly, uh, there's a lot of opportunities, uh, for people to learn, uh, how to do the work of cybersecurity, uh, even if they don't necessarily want to work in the industry, uh, but just become more aware, uh, of some of the threats that are out there, some things they can do for themselves, and, and maybe some hobbyist projects that they can take on, 
another uh, event out there is B-Sides, B-S-I-D-E-S, uh, that have events all over the place, uh, and certainly in the Tampa and Orlando areas, uh, where uh, experts, again, you know, will come talk about what they're working on, some of the threats out there. So certainly if things, if you're interested in, uh, those events are very affordable, usually under $100 for a ticket, so uh, certainly uh, check that out. But, uh, you know, some things that you can build your awareness, get an idea of what's going on out there, some things that you could do to protect yourself, ways to adopt uh, very cheap or inexpensive uh, tools that you can implement to, to protect yourself or, or even your children online. You know, I've got five kids myself. Certainly that's on my mind of how best to secure and protect them. So uh, something to keep in mind there. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. Also, big news this week, uh, back to Capitol Hill and Russia, uh, social media companies sent uh, their lawyers uh, and other people to testify on Capitol Hill about uh, propaganda and Russian troll accounts on Facebook and Twitter, uh, either buying advertisements or trying to get their message out. So there's a lot of concern out there about uh, social media propaganda and uh, ways to get information out. Uh, I believe earlier this week, Twitter banned RT, uh, formerly Russia Times, uh, from buying advertisements on their platform. Uh, so a lot of conversation has been going on around that. Uh, a lot of numbers have been thrown out about the number of Russia troll accounts. If you actually took at the uh, definition that Twitter was using for uh, accounts they suspected as Russian state-sponsored, it was very broad, which ironically, actually includes my Twitter account because I have gone to Russia. I've posted uh, tweets uh, when I've traveled uh, every now and then. Usually as jokes, I will send out Russian language tweets to others, but they have a very expansive definition out there. The real big concern I have with a lot of those conversations is, you know, uh, I don't know what your experience is with social media. Mine is basically it's people talking to those who already agree with them, right? So I don't think there's a lot of people, there isn't a lot of dialogue that happens on the internet in general, and certainly not in social media. There's a lot of people repeating their opinion in a lot of Me Tooism. Uh, and I think a lot of the concern is out there is misplaced, right? Uh, because uh, I don't care how many, you know, automated accounts Russia has. Uh, I don't think uh, many voters are changing their minds because of it. But inherently, if you talk about protecting against that threat, you're almost inherently talking about censorship. Um, and certainly uh, there's a lot of pressure being put on Congress or by Congress on these social media companies to do something about it. Well, Twitter, Facebook, all of these are global companies that take users all around the world. Uh, if our Congress is saying, oh, by the way, you need to let those people not use the platform, uh, you know, that, that kind of begs the question of uh, censorship or First Amendment issues. If you're trying to say RT can't uh, do their news media thing, well, um, you know, that, that brings up a freedom of press issue. I mean, I know what RT is. It's Russia Times, you know, big deal. Uh, we know what they are. As long as they're disclosing who they are, great, you know, for uh, political advertisements on social media, right? The purchaser should be disclosed uh, insofar as you can determine who that is, right? You know, uh, the Twitter account buying the ads or the Facebook account buying the ads. I think that would be a good thing. But there's a lot of focus on there of, hey, you know, we need to stop this propaganda, uh, which uh, very quickly, you know, raises questions of censorship. I'd rather not have Russia manipulating my elections or engaging in propaganda. But one, the United States is doing this to other countries. And two, very quickly you go from, well, 
exactly what is a state-sponsored Russian troll account. And the definition Twitter used would include me in this show. Uh, and I assure you, there is no money from the Russian Federation uh, paying for my Twitter account or this radio show. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of absurdity in, 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 in all of this, uh, ultimately saying that, you know, if we're going to have these platforms, these global platforms like Twitter and Facebook and to an extent email, it means everybody in the world can communicate. That was kind of the design by it. Uh, if we do want to uh, take a step back from that, well, I mean, there's a lot of consequences that come along with that. Uh, that I don't think are truly being considered. So uh, a lot of debate there on Capitol Hill. Uh, the committees uh, actually took great offense that uh, these companies really only sent their lawyers, that they didn't send the CEOs or high-level executives. They just sent general counsels to talk. So they're going to be dragging in Mark Zuckerberg and others uh, down uh, to these various intelligence committees investigating Russia influence. So we're going to see a lot more discussion about this, right? And I'm sure you've heard about it. There's going to be more discussion. Uh, I know that uh, there was a list published out there, 4,000 some odd suspected Russia, uh, you know, troll accounts from the uh, Internet Research Agency, as I believe uh, what they call it over there, uh, of people trying to influence elections. But, you know, the interesting things that came to my mind is not only prior to the election where they uh, a lot of anti-Hillary messages, they were organizing protests against Donald Trump. They were doing uh, anything they could to inflame anybody they could. There's fake Black Lives Matters and Antifa Twitter accounts. Russia wants to uh, undermine our confidence in our institutions, right? They want to sow chaos. They want us uh, going after each other, right? Uh, so whatever we do, whatever Congress and others do, uh, bear in mind that's what Russia wants. They want us infighting. They want us less effective. They want us... Uh, divided, uh, and that gives them what they want. So we should be careful and uh, how we talk about it and some of the fear-mongering that's out there. So we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambin. This is Cybersecurity Today with John Bambin. You're listening to John Bambin, the most trusted name in cybersecurity. Welcome back. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. Going into our social media segment now, where we take your questions, uh, what you want to hear about, stories you've seen online, uh, phishing or scam campaigns, anything you want to know about how to protect you, yourself, or just you are curious about cybersecurity. So first question up, what is the hacking back bill? Uh, legislation right now uh, being considered in Congress would uh, create some exceptions uh, to the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and, and other uh, laws that outlaw hacking that would allow organizations who are victim, victims of computer crime to uh, basically hack back on those who are, are attacking them. Uh, for the purposes of either, uh, uh, you know, taking, deleting all the information they stole, disrupting their operations, a handful of other things. So, uh, in essence, uh, it's, it's a law to legalize, uh, people who are victims of cybercrime, uh, to, uh, go after those who are, uh, inflicting harm upon them. Right? So this had a lot of tentacles. As somebody who helps law enforcement try to prosecute cybercriminals, that is a two-year process. Easy. Right. 
just from when somebody like me shows up to an indictment. I mean, we're not even talking trial, conviction, jail sentence, right? Just getting uh, uh, an arrest warrant and an indictment for somebody. And there's cases I've been working on for years uh, where still they're not within, uh, not being held in the custody of U.S. law enforcement. So it takes a long time. There are areas in the world where you can be, if you're hacking American citizens, you don't have to worry about law enforcement in your home country, right? It's it's known that Russia will not extradite people to the United States or, or anywhere, really, for that matter. Um, their constitution prohibits it. So if you're committing crimes against U.S. citizens, odds are Russian law enforcement's really not going to be worrying too much about you, which has created a, a large growth in cybercrime. Right? It really does pay as long as you're careful about who your victims are. Uh, odds are you can uh, do this for a good long time. So businesses and others are getting frustrated because there aren't any real consequences to be had. Right? People talk about solving cybercrime. What are we going to have a tool to, that protects us against all of this? Well, the reality is, is the normal consequence of criminality uh, tend not to be as strongly in place uh, for cybercrime, right? Occasionally we can get people arrested, but not nearly at the scale that we need to do. So the reality is, is that there is hacking back going on today, right? There's uh, people who say this is a wrong-headed approach. It's going to lead to the Wild West, yada, yada, yada. The reality is the Wild West is already here. The criminals aren't calling law enforcement to say somebody's hacking me. You know, they may retaliate. They may do any number of things. But it's not like the criminals are availing themselves of the criminal justice process when they're victims of, of hacking also. Uh, and like, and for, for good reason, right? They'd be arrested as soon as they filed the complaint. Um, so uh, this happens today. There are companies out there, and in, in essence, mercenaries, who are running around uh, doing this and offering these services, many of which do a good job. Uh, for instance, stealing stolen credit cards from credit card thieves. So when you hear stories of, hey, this retailer, whoever lost five million credit cards, there may be somebody out there who stole the five million credit cards from the criminal, got that to the bank so they can reissue new cards and prevent you from having fraud losses. I know there's a group out there who are stealing ransomware encryption keys so people can recover their data without paying criminals money. Uh, so this law uh, is designed, uh, you know, in my opinion, right, people are doing this already. This is starting to establish some boundaries of that action because certainly we don't pe want people out there being vigilantes, burning down entire data centers. Uh, a lot of hacking uh, utilizes otherwise compromised websites. So we don't want uh, people who are victims themselves to be victimized again by the people uh, hacking back. So this establishes, you know, some kind of rules of the road which have been lacking for, for a while. It'll be interesting to see how this debate uh, plays out and the legislation plays out. But, you know, the thing I tell people is that hacking back happens today. And if you want to sit there and curtail it, uh, reduce harm to the innocent, so on and so forth, right, that's, that's what law is for. So... Our second question, right? How serious is the threat of North Korea when it comes to hacking, right? Uh, you know, now there's banks and other institutions who are preparing defenses against this. Uh, the threat uh, in the abstract is, is significant, right? North Korea is, uh, got some really good people, uh, who are doing uh, a lot of interesting things when it comes to hacking. Now, they tend not to go after consumers and other things. They're, they're a very geopolitically motivated group. But North Korea, as a country, has a need for capital and money, right? Because they are very isolated. It's not like they're part of a global trade system, so on and so forth. So uh, they do uh, a lot of things to, to try to get capital, and that has led 
for instance, recently banks to say, hey, we need to take notice of this um, and protect ourselves. Some of you may uh, remember when I talked uh, several months ago about uh, $80 million that was stolen from the Central Bank of uh, Bangladesh. Uh, that was attributed to North Korea, right? As so think about that, right? They stole $80 million from another Asian country. Uh, so certainly it, it got the interest of the banking community saying, hey, uh, these people are able to do some real damage, steal some real money. Uh, they're doing, these hackers are doing research into our electrical grid and doing some probing to figure out if they can find weak points to, to shut off the lights. It is a big advantage to them. If they launched an ICBM, a nuclear weapon, we'd know it was them. There is no hiding where that came from. But if you launch a cyber attack, turn off the lights in, I don't know, uh, New England during the middle of winter when it's negative 20 out, uh, it's a lot harder to prove it was them. And it causes a lot of damage. It really advances their uh, geopolitical uh, objectives of uh, asynchronous warfare, right? It doesn't cost a lot uh, of resources to enable a hacker. They don't need a whole lot of training. It's not like an ICBM that takes tens of millions of dollars and tons of research, right? You know, you send somebody to the right kind of training for a couple of years. You put them out in, uh, you know, a block of hotel rooms in Vietnam where they've got good Internet connectivity and you let them go. So the threat is real, uh, but it's really directed at major institutions and things that are in North Korea's objectives, right? One, harming the U.S. generally. Uh, certainly there's espionage and other things going on, and then stealing uh, lots of money. So uh, things to keep in mind. And I should point out, uh, WannaCry, that big ransomware attack that happened earlier this year, uh, there is some indication that it was North Korea. I believe the U.K. government has come out and said directly that. So they are doing some air quotes, good work, right? Or they're creating some real harm. Last question, order the new iPhone. How secure is it actually, right? Uh, and, and usually when people are talking about this, they're talking about face ID uh, and uh, the ability to unlock a phone basically with the image of your face. And there's some real uh, dangers to this kind of technology and biometrics generally. Biometrics is basically a, a password uh, that you can't change, right? You're not changing your fingerprints. You're not changing how your uh, the geometry of your eye. You really can't change your face. Some early versions of uh, face print uh, authentication, right? If you held up a high-res photograph of the individual that you're trying to uh, phone, you're trying to access, it would take the picture. So there are uh, there are some flaws in this system. Uh, the iPhone 10 hasn't been out uh, that long, so uh, all its weaknesses haven't uh, really been pro uh, uh, effectively probed. You know, but there is some research saying uh, you know there there is difficulty out there uh, with these systems, and predominantly some of the reporting out there is you know what are applications going to be doing uh, the apps doing with face recognition, and where is that data going? Uh, if you're just using it to unlock your iPhone. Right. The uh, the data is just staying on the phone itself. It's protected. But there are privacy risks also. So we're going to take a short break. Bring on uh, Patrick Howell O'Neill from Cyberscoop.com. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambinet. You're listening to John Bambinet, the most trusted name in cybersecurity. Back with Bambanek on cybersecurity.
welcome back. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. Joining me now is Patrick Howell-O'Neill from our digital partner, Cyberscoop.com. They uh, have a lot of great uh, coverage of cybersecurity stories that we're seeing uh, both in D.C. and across the country. Wanted to bring around on a couple of uh, articles they had running this week. So, uh, Patrick, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So the first uh, story out there uh, that uh, you guys uh, reported on this week, I, I think you actually broke it, is that many of the uh, dark web forums uh, have gone offline uh, and or uh, had some difficulty reaching them uh, over the past few days. So um, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, you know, cyber criminals need a place, a marketplace where they can sell uh, malicious software, sell stolen credit card information, personal data, uh, a wide variety of things that, that happen there. Uh, and there's a defined known number of marketplaces out there that are operate on the dark web that are to a degree resilient uh, to be taken down. Uh, but in this past week, we've seen uh, several of them go offline. So uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, uh, what you what you're seeing with this story uh, and what it means. So the dark web has had quite a year so far. Um, in July, the FBI of the DOJ and a host of international partners took down AlphaBay, which was the largest and richest darknet market. And it sold a host of, uh, of illegal goods, um, guns, drugs, malware, fraud, uh, stolen data. Um, and you know, right before it got taken down, there was an extended outage um, where the site went down. No one was sure what was going on. It turned out to be a police operation. What we're seeing in the recent weeks is that the eight or nine largest uh, surviving markets went down intermittently, uh, and no one is quite sure why. It looks to be uh, a, a broad denial of service attack, uh, which makes it impossible for the uh, websites to be reached by visitors um, or by uh, the administrators. But no one is quite sure uh, why. And part of the reason is that, you know, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein recently spoke in D.C. He reiterated how the Department of Justice is going after crime on the dark web. And he did this in the middle of this extended downtime for uh, these markets. And people wondered, is that a sign? Is that a coincidence? Is this just talk? Um, the markets also received a bunch of messages demanding essentially ransom be paid. Mm -hmm. So it looked like it could be an extortionist. Um, now, it looks like some of the markets have come up since reporting began on this. Um, but one thing that wasn't in that article that I think is of interest is that one of the markets, RS Club, is actually shutting down uh, because it was hacked and it suffered over $100,000 in losses. Um, so essentially, there's just a lot of turbulence, um, a lot of unexplained action going on on the dark web, which in one case is definitely notable because this is a multi-million, or if you look over the course of years, a multi-billion dollar mm -hmm. economy. Um, and so... You know, what happens there is uh, significant. But on the other hand, it's always strange and turbulent on the dark web. So it's just another day uh, <laughs> for this uh, for this community. Yeah. No, no, I said the thing that was interesting, right, the uh, the extortion uh, demands, right? You know, hey, we're, we're knocking you offline, pay us money. Uh, for a while, we saw that on, on the open Internet, you know, banks and 
uh, e-commerce companies, a wide variety, uh, were getting uh, DDoS ransom notes saying, hey, we're going to send you however many gigabytes of, of a DDoS attack, pay us and we'll let you go. Uh, DD4BC was earlier last year. Uh, Armada Collective has... Uh, well, Armada Collective and DD4BC were the same person, but there's a lot of knockoffs. Uh, and I think a couple weeks ago there was another round of that out there. So um, criminals going after criminals, uh, you know, that that doesn't happen every day, but it's not, not atypical, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned uh, the banks because in a lot of ways the the underground economy is kind of this bizarro version of uh of you know the quote-unquote normal companies right so just like uh you know your normal tech companies these dark web markets run bounty programs uh which you know in case a listener might not be familiar is basically when the markets or anyone pays researchers to find bugs and vulnerabilities in their code uh so they can be fixed without further harm or theft uh, being caused. Um, and there are a bunch of instances uh, of things like that. So, you know, and in the same way that banks and normal tech companies get hit by criminals, these uh, markets are seen as pretty strong um, or pretty valuable targets, right? It's not like these guys are going to go to the police or law enforcement and uh, report that they've been robbed. Uh, essentially, you're able to, as a criminal, able to take free swings at them again and again, and eventually, obviously, there's going to be a hit. And right, it should be right. noted that, like you said, this is not atypical. So, I mean, it extends back years and years, the history of very rich dark web markets going down. Um, you know, in 2013, Silk Road, which is kind of the godfather of these uh, breed of dark web markets, went down because specifically of an extortionist that the uh, owner of that market then paid thousands of dollars a day to kind of hold off. So this has precedence. No, no, that's definitely true, right? You know, there's a lot of, uh, I said, there's not, I should say, there's not a lot of honor among thieves. Uh, at a certain point, there are people who've taken over each other's botnets and so on and so forth. So, um, I know there's a lot of history in there. I, you know, I've been in, involved in this for two decades and, you know, even going back that far, uh, there were hacking groups, hacking other hacking groups for prestige. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a big, there's a big history there. Uh, now it's, um, you know, it's a little bit less fun than it was in these days. Now, now you're dealing with a more professional brand of criminal, but you know, like gangland tactics. Every now and then, you've got to enforce, you know, your will on uh, your competitors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it just you know, to show how common it is, right? It's, there's this uh, hacking forum called Base Tools, and it's not really in the same community as the. Uh, darknet forums that I'm talking about, but it's still, you know, a, a forum with criminal activity. And it was just hacked, uh, I want to say last week, and the hacker demanded $50,000 um, from the forum, or he was going to basically go to the cops with this database. So this stuff happens, um, and it makes sense, because like I said, these targets really have, or have to fend for themselves. They don't get the luxury of going to, you know, cybersecurity companies or the FBI or anyone like that. It's basically them, and they're doing what they can for as long as they can, and then they either get out or they get arrested. Yeah, no, I said you make a great point, right? It's not like criminals are going to go to law enforcement. It's, uh, you know, they take turns uh, taking shots at each other. The previous segment, we talked about the hackback bill, 
um, you know, uh, and, and what that means. And certainly, you know, the corollary is true, right? There are companies in the United States, even though it violates the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and other laws, will gauge an offensive activity against criminals or nation states uh, and try to mitigate the damage of hacking also. So, um, you know, there's real obstacles uh, for criminals who want to uh, see justice done uh, when they're uh, when they're the victims of the kind of class of crime that they dole out to others. So, uh, the, you know, it's it, there's a lot of tentacles to that kind of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. So um, certainly I, I want everybody to stay tuned. We're going to have Patrick on. Uh, here in the next segment, uh, talking about uh, some more uh, reporting from uh, CyberScoop uh, about a company called Recorded Future does some uh, interesting intelligence uh, that uh, they uh, they sell uh, to CIA-backed companies. So I think that'll be uh, some good stuff. So uh, go ahead, stick with us through the next segment, uh, and we'll have Patrick come back. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host John Bambanek. We will be right back. Scan your computer, but don't scan the dial. Stay right here. John Bambadek will be right back. with Bambanek on cybersecurity. And welcome back. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. Still with us, Patrick O'Neill from cyberscoop.com. Thank you for sticking uh, through the commercial break. Uh, there's another article you guys reported on uh, in the past week. Uh, a company called Recorded Future uh, raising money, uh, about $25 million, uh in venture capital stuff. Uh, the interesting data point, right, is uh, it's uh, a CIA-backed venture, uh, and uh, or uh, uh, there's a CIA-backed venture capital firm that's backing it, which has also backed some other companies uh, and uh, Dark Trace Silence and others. But let's talk about Recorded Future. Uh, you know, what does this mean? What is this uh, funding round? Uh, mean for them and and uh, where does uh, recorded future kind of fit in the general uh, stratosphere of uh, security firms so it makes sense that we were just talking about the dark web uh, recorded future does a couple of different things but the niche that they're probably best known for is dark web intelligence and what that means is they uh, they make their money by going into these underground forums and by going to um, closed source intelligence sources. Also, you know, you can think of it as the stuff you're not going to find just on Google. Um, And basically finding and delivering that intelligence to their customers. So uh, the obvious thing would be if a list of your credentials is being marketed and sold on uh, an underground market, uh, Recorded Future will be able to find it and will be able to deliver that to you. If a new malware or a new vulnerability, a new exploit, that kind of thing is being sold, is being used, Recorded Future will uh, be able to show you, the customer, what's going on 
um, and give it to you in a human, they're doing it in an automated, largely automated way, and give it to you in a human-readable uh, form. Uh, so they landed $25 million, as you said. Now, the interesting thing you pointed out was that they're CIA-backed. Um, that comes from InQtel, which is a CIA venture capital firm. Um, they put in around $10 million in 2009, and they did that with Google Ventures. Um, to your point, the uh, InQtel has been around for a long time and has put in quite a bit of money um, elsewhere. But this new round is even bigger than that, uh, $25 million from Insight Venture Partners. And I think the gist of what Recorded Future is doing is they're looking to for lack of a better word, conquer the world. They're looking to go bigger and go broader. Uh, they're not giving too much insight on any new technology, um, but they're already in 22 industry verticals. I believe they're in about two dozen countries. Um, and I think that the, <laughs> I imagine that the marketing team is going to get a, a budget boost and they're looking to up sales on that, uh, on the 25 mil. Although I'm sure, you know, R&D is also going to get a taste of that. No, no, I think so. And then there's a few of these companies out there. Uh, you know, I, I do more work with a couple of others, but, you know, there's real information out there of knowing kind of what they're or trying to know what the attacker is doing or uh, following where data ends up. So, for instance, a question in everybody's mind is what happened with all the data stolen from Equifax? Right. You know, we, mm-hmm. we know the data has gone out the door. The question is, is who has it and what are they going to do with it? Right. Which is valuable information that people go out and get right and, and it's a service offered to companies like Equifax or, or banks or uh, a variety of others uh, to figure that out and I know uh, they partnered actually with another company Shodan six-ish months ago I think scanning mm-hmm. the entire internet for remote access tool command and control servers uh, and publishing that information so they, they, they worked with that firm to just kind of proactively go out and do Internet-wide surveillance of, of cyber criminals, uh, which is uh, to a degree uh, similar things that I do, actually. So they they do a lot of uh, a lot of interesting work. Yeah, uh, you know, one interesting thing to think about in terms of what you were just talking about is so let's say you're searching for uh, something like what happened to the Equifax breach or what happened to the OPM breach. Sometimes uh, not finding it can be as telling as finding it, right? So, for instance, if you do not find a really valuable breach being sold or being used on the Internet, the, uh, the I mean, there's more to it, but you can start to imagine that this is a nation state actor who's not interested in profit or who's not interested in kind of aggressively using uh, this in a broad way. Right. They're, they're using it for ways that aren't so easy to spot and aren't so uh, loud. Um, as it were. So, you know, there's a lot of intelligence and the lack of intelligence kind of is important too. So you can see why these companies are uh, getting a lot of customers and getting a lot of investment as well. No, I think that's certainly true, right? Yeah, intelligence is big business. I know I'm well paid for uh, the pieces that I do too. So... (laughs) Uh, certainly, you know, uh, you know, check out Recorded Futures, see some of the stuff they're doing or some of these other dark web intelligence firms. Uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting work happening out there. So, uh, Patrick, I'd like to thank you again for being with us from our digital partner, CyberScoop.com. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much. 
So again, that was Patrick Hall-O'Neill, cyberscoop.com, our digital partner. You know, they've got a, a lot of great reporting out there. So definitely go over uh, to their website to see uh, some of the information they're reporting. Um, there's uh, a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, you know, certainly not just dark web, but things going on in Capitol Hill, some of the Russia stuff. They've got reporting on uh, the election cybersecurity legislation that was just introduced by a couple of senators. Uh, you know, that bill to encourage election authorities and others to start sharing information about threats, uh, to put some money aside for uh, uh, the uh, Election Voter Assistance Commission uh, to start addressing some of these things. So, uh, you know, they got some that some good reporting out there uh, and certainly uh, things you should be aware of. So the one uh, last, uh, you know, item they're talking about, uh, you know, before we're at the end of the show here, uh, you know, the iPhone uh, 10 is out there. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about uh, what this means for security. Right. We talked about that in our uh, social a media segment uh, a little bit uh, so uh, and using the idea of your your face you know, the image of your face to unlock your phone and some other things uh, along with that right so there's a lot of attempts to do what's called biometrics right some aspect of you uh, your physical features eyes fingerprints whatever uh, for security it's been around for a long time almost two decades two decades uh, the idea is is to make things a little bit more secure uh, than just a password. So one interesting thing that researchers trying to come up with is using trinkets, right? Things that we carry around with us and taking pictures of that uh, that would allow access to devices to, to replace passwords. So, uh, you know, if you have a, a custom wedding ring or a particular bracelet or, or things of like that. You know, there's an app out there called Pixie uh, that researchers at Florida International University, so here within the listening audience, uh, have, uh, you know, trying to figure out uh, getting rid of passwords. Uh, a lot of password reuse happens where people steal passwords and then get access to all of your accounts based on knowing your name, your email address, and your password. So a lot of people are taking uh, steps and trying to figure out how we can get away from this system because fundamentally authentication Right. Proving who you are, uh, proving uh, who you, you are, who you say you are on the Internet is an unsolved problem, which is uh, really the core problem with spam and phishing and a lot of other attacks out there. So some interesting research out of Florida International University uh, that I thought might be interesting, considering it's within uh, the listening area of this show. So I did want to take uh, a quick moment to cover uh, a genre of criminal attacks that have picked up in the past uh, couple of weeks uh, comes on and off. Uh, over the years, but basically uh, it works like this. Uh, somebody sends you an email saying, hey, we're going to launch a denial of service attack, take your website offline uh, unless you send us money to this Bitcoin wallet. Sometimes they launch uh, small denial of service attacks, basically sending a lot of bandwidth to your website so there's not a lot of capacity to respond to real requests. Uh, it's, uh, you know, a genre of crime that's picked up in the last year or so. Uh, I know there's one individual who was arrested in Romania for, for conducting these kind of attacks. Unlike ransomware, where they're actually encrypting data, right? They, I mean, it is an extortion type of thing. But we haven't really ever seen any very credible ones where uh, somebody says, hey, pay us $25,000 in Bitcoin, and then actually takes a website offline. So if you, your business, gets these kind of attacks, certainly report it to the authorities, especially the Bitcoin wallet ID. Uh, we can track those. Uh, and that allows us to prosecute these people. But you generally can be very safe just ignoring those kind of things. So uh, that brings us to the end of our show. 
Again, broadcasting out of AM820 News covering Tampa Bay and the West Coast, as well as AM1060 News covering the Space Coast and Orlando. Very thankful for our radio affiliates. If you want to get the podcast version of the show, just look for Cybersecurity Today Radio and whatever uh, podcasting software you use. Connect with us online, cybersecuritytodayradio.com or Facebook and Twitter at Cybersec Radio. So, hope you enjoyed the show. Covered a lot of great uh, information out there. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll catch you back next time on this station Saturday morning. You're listening to Cybersecurity Today Radio with your host, John Bambanek. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.